Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. You know, it's Christmas for 12 full days. Raise your hand if you know that. The 12 days of Christmas is not just a song about partridges and pear trees. It's actually the truth. We celebrate Christmas for 12 full days. And um, today we get to talk about the incarnation. It's all about the incarnation. And so I want to talk to you about what that means. And I'm just going to give you a a reflection. I'm not going to preach a full sermon on this. I'm going to give you a reflection on the incarnation. And then I'm going to invite you to give yourself to this incarnate God. So in the incarnation, you know what that means? That means that God was made flesh. And a few years ago, I mentioned that it's almost like um, chili con carne, which means what? Does anybody know what that means? It means chili with meat. And, And when I said that, a woman at the end of the service said, you were speaking to me this day, Father John. I mean, I just knew as soon as you said chili con carne that your sermon was for me because I had forgotten that I was supposed to bring chili con carne to the party this afternoon. I was like, well, if that's all you got out of my sermon, God bless you. I'm so sorry. Um, But that was all she got out of my sermon. So anyway, I hope you get more out of it today. But chili con carne means chili with meat. And to say that God was incarnate means that God had meat in in a weird way. And I know that sounds funny, but he had flesh. He became one of us and we have meat and flesh. He was in flesh. And I know that's kind of gross to say, but that's, that's what it means. He was incarnate. He became just like one of us. It also means that the timeless God, the God that's, that's outside of time, stepped into time and began to live inside of time. Time was a creation of God. It was one of his creatures. And he, God exists outside of it. And all time is present to him. But then when he became incarnate, when he became one of us, he stepped into it. The timeless God stepped into time. He became a son of man or a son of woman so that we could all be sons, become sons of God. It's an amazing thing and when you think about what God did for us by becoming one of us. Another thing that I want to say about the incarnation is this. In the church, we put so much emphasis on the cross of Christ, and rightly so, because it was at the cross where he gave his life for ours, and and his life uh, given for ours made it possible for us to be reconciled to him. But even in coming to become one of us, he said, I'm with you. Like he made a human mom his mom forever. Does that make sense? Like the son of God has a mother. Her name was Mary, and she will always be his mother, which means that to God, there is a human person who is part of his family, literally part of his family, just like you have a mom, and I have a mom, and maybe you are a mom, that God has a mother means that he has become a family family member to all of us human beings who also have mothers. So it's an amazing thing. The church has has um, people have mystics have spent their whole lives pondering the incarnation because it was at the incarnation that God said, I am with you. I'm fully with you. I'm giving my life to be with you forever. My solidarity is with you from this point on and forevermore because I am one of you. And uh, you know that after Jesus was risen from the dead, he ascended into heaven. Does that, do you remember this? And you know how he ascended? With his body because he's Jesus the second person of the Trinity, is still a human being right now at the right hand of the Father. So there's nothing, I mean, we, I, there's nothing else you can say that can, that can express how much solidarity God has with us today, except to say that he became one of us, and he is still one of us today. Un, an unbelievable thought. Now, 
So he became a son of man so that we, be, we could become sons of God. In our reading from Paul's letter to the Galatians, he said this. He said that he has put his, he has put his spirit into us, crying out, Abba, Father. And anybody, all of us that have been redeemed by him have been made his sons. And if we've been made his sons, then we've been made his heirs. And that doesn't mean that all the women are left out of this. It means that actually Paul is saying something amazing by saying that all of us are sons. Because back then, uh, unfortunately back then, women and actually second-born sons weren't really entitled to any of the inheritance. It was only the first-born son that had the inheritance. And if you're a woman, your hope was to be married to a man that also had an inheritance. That way you could be provided for. But otherwise, you were left out of the inheritance. But when Paul says that all of us that receive Jesus are made sons of God, that means all of us we are able to become, uh, are, well, we're given sonship in the kingdom of God, which means that men and women become, can become heirs of God. So it's an, it's an amazing thing, very inclusive thing, if you think about it. This is not an exclusive claim just for the guys. Men and women can all become sons of God and become heirs in his kingdom. In the Gospel of John, it says that all who received him, he became the power to become the children of God. And and this is what I want to spend the rest of my time focused on. Because it doesn't say that all who received him became the children of God. It said that all who received him were given the power to become the children of God. And what that says to me is this. It says to me that that even though uh, he gave us the power, he left it up to us if we want to live that way. If we want to live into the reality of this, of this new way of life that is ours, if we have received Jesus. Does that make sense? Okay. We have been given the power to become the children of God. And I love that about God, that he does everything. He's done everything to redeem us. He, doesn't, he didn't leave our redemption up to us, but he did leave that, that last step of living like his children. And so what I want to say is this today. Uh, in order to become God's children... I believe part of that requires us to do this. It requires us to allow God to be the God of our past, the God of our present, and the God of our future, okay? I believe that he wants to be, because he stands outside of time, he stepped into time, but he wants to be the God of our past because he's present to our past, the God of our present and the God of our future because he's there too. And what that means is this, he wants to be the God of your past, That means that you have to let him forgive you of your past. No matter what your past has in it, no matter what you did in your past, God's there and he wants to forgive you of your past. And so you have to let him do that. There are two churches that meet in this space. The earlier service, they're a non-denominational church and Pastor Mike is is their pastor. And this morning he invoked Disney uh, in that movie, Let It Go. And he was talking about how, you know what? Your past is your past. Let it go. And then he sang the song to them, which I'm not going to do to you because you've heard it way too much. But the past is gone. Let it go. God, wants, God is in your past, and he wants to forgive you of your past. But the thing is, a lot of us carry our past with us, and we let it control who we are. We let its voices and its story control how we live today. And what God says is, no, I want to be the God of your past. And I want you to let me forgive you of your past. Not only that, he wants to set you free of your past. He wants to say, your past doesn't have to control you. You doesn't have to determine who you are today. 
Let me set you free of your past. And then the next thing he wants to do is he wants to redeem your past. Because some of us have pasts uh, that have marked us and have shaped who we are. And he says, that's okay. Let me redeem it. And let me use your experiences in your past to make you the person that I want you to be today. I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but I've, I've had this happen to me and I've seen it in other people's lives. People have gone through hard, hard things in their life. But by the grace of God, they've allowed God to redeem it and make it into something that he can use in their life to touch somebody else, else's life who is then going through that same thing. Does that make sense? And so the, even though you might regret the things that you've been through and you might look back and just say, I was so stupid, can God redeem that? And then take that and then make it something of value and worth in his kingdom today for somebody in your life. And I think you can. God wants to be the God of your past. He wants to forgive you of it, set you free of it, and redeem it, and use it for his purposes. He wants to be the God of your present. He wants to be uh, your God today. He wants, he wants you to give him your now, whatever your now is. And, uh, and we have lots of nows. Like right now is no longer now because it was just a moment ago when I said right now. And you're constantly living in the now, right? And so I don't know where your day is going to take you. This is, we're talking, talking about your future. But when you get there, it will be your now. And are you living that now in the presence of God? Are you, are you consciously aware that you are living in God's presence and you are walking before him? One of the prayers in the Anglican church says, we want to walk before you all the days of our life. Well, that's right. That's what, that, and that's what we're doing but a lot of us aren't aware of it. We just think we're ordering food at the, at, the, at the restaurant or we're buying groceries at the grocery store, but it's not true. We're in God's presence in that moment. Who is God bringing into your life right then that you might be a light to? Does that make sense? Give God your now. Live as his beloved and, re and redeemed child. If this is true about you, if you have been given the power to become a child of God, then live that way now. Live as a redeemed person. Live as a person who has been uh, redeemed and beloved by God. He wants to be with you in your present. So give God your present because that's what God wants to be. He wants to be the God of your present. And he also wants to be the God of your future. He wants to be the Lord and the designer of your future. And this is to people that have lived any time at all. Uh, if you can look back at parts of your past and you can say, gosh, man, that would have been better if I had been living with God at that moment, then you can imagine that your future will be better if you've given it to God and you've, and you've determined, I am going to allow God to design the future that I live in. Do you believe that your future would be better if you allowed God to be the designer of it? I believe, he would. I believe it would. And I hope that you believe it would too. Most of the times when we take matters into our own hands, a lot of times that means that we have screwed it up and we've made a mess of things. But if we allow God to be the God of our future and we determine today that we're going to live that way and allow him to be the designer of it and the Lord of it, I believe that we'll be walking in his ways in a way that both brings blessing into our lives but also into the lives around us. Like I said, this is a reflection. It's not a long sermon. And, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do next. The Church of England uh, about 20 years ago, began uh, acknowledging the fact that 
even though the church's year starts at the beginning of Advent, that the world's year begins on January 1st. And that happens right after Christmas. And so the Church of England bishops said, what if we, what if we had a service that they could, we could do at the beginning of the year that would acknowledge the fact that people are making new resolutions and, and are, are trying to lose 20 pounds and, and, and all that kind of stuff. What if those resolutions could be more than just resolutions about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give more to charity, I'm going to lose weight and all this kind of stuff. What if it could be about giving God our past and our present and our future? What if that's what we could do at the beginning of the year? And so the Church of England has a covenant renewal service. They borrowed it from the Methodists. Uh, Charles, John Wesley was a, an Anglican priest, and he uh, realized that uh, for his people that were in, in his congregations, they needed a time to when they could uh, once a year come back and say, you know what, God, I do want to live for you. I do want my year to be about your business and not my own. I do want to live a kingdom-minded life from this point on. And I want to acknowledge that up to this point, I've not been so good at it. And so Charles, John Wesley, excuse me, he created this covenant renewal service and the Church of England said, that's great. We're going to bring it into our own services. And they do it right after Christmas as they, as they near the new year. And so that's what we're going to do today. It's an opportunity to give God our lives, our past, our present, and our future. It's an opportunity to allow him to forgive us, to redeem us, to use us now, and then to give him the future of our lives. And so that's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to enter into a time of prayer, and then we're going to renew our covenant.